for my ally is the Force. And a powerful ally it is. Life creates it. Makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings so we, not this crude matter. You must feel the force around you. You, between you, me, the tree, rock, everywhere. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. You don't know the power of the dark side. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. Welcome to episode 57 of Blue Harvest, a Star Wars podcast. I'm your host, Halls Burkhart. And I'm your host, Will Witten. And I know we've been having some slow news weeks here lately, but not this week. But this ain't one of them. It's that fucking, it's the Star Wars news something. And it has that feeling to it like it's Christmas. Like, yes. It always, yes. It, whenever you get a good batch of news like this batch of news is, it always feels like kind of like Christmas Day just a little bit. We go so long, like, it feels like, I'm sure if I think back, there was something, but it feels like we haven't had huge news since the Rogue One trailer. Right. So now, holy shit, it's a bukkake of Star Wars news. Ba-blam. I got a little Star Wars news in my eye. It stings. But, so, before we get into all that, how about I give out our information? Let's, let's give everybody the business. I'm ready to give the business. The business is... Facebook.com slash Blue Harvest Podcast. At Blue Harvest Pod and Will at Will Win Wit at Will Witten three. Correct? Three? Mm -hmm. At Will Witten three. On Twitter. Blue Harvest Podcast at gmail.com for the emails. That's the business. That's the business of giving people the business. So before we get to the news, let's catch up a little bit. How you been this week, buddy? I've been good. Right on. Training chefs, doing the thing, grinding it out. Uh, I had an interesting experience with Mr. Goose Payne last weekend. Really? Tell me about that. Jesse and I went to Mississippi for Father's Day on Sunday. See my dad. Yeah. Hang out with the family for How a little he? bit. He was good. Your dad's an awesome dude. My dad is. If anybody out there needs a mental image of what my dad is like, think of Randy Marsh from South Park. That is my dad. Except gray instead of. Yeah. Like if Randy Marsh had aged and had gray hair and a gray mustache. I don't know why you think your dad looks like Randy Marsh. Not only does he look like him, he acts like him sometimes. There are some episodes of South Park that are, my dad is Randy Marsh. I haven't spent a ton of time around your dad, but I've spent a little bit of time around your dad. He's just probably one of the chillest, the episode, guys. The episode where Randy gets obsessed with cream fraiche. And cooking and yeah. watching the cooking network. Yeah. Like, that's my dad. My dad will get these hairs up his ass every now and then where he's like, 
I'm going to fucking home cook every day. Here's a little cream fraiche. <laughs> like, okay, so the Bat Dad episode? Uh, yeah. That's not so much my dad. World of Warcraft episode? That's kind of my dad. Oh, nice. So, you know, there's there's some ways. But anyway, so we go to Mississippi, and um, Goose picked up this recreational vehicle. Have you have you seen this thing he got? No, no. It's called a Razor. All right, and I don't know how you two wheels in the front and one wheel in the back. No, it's four. Okay, it looks like, and I'm not shitting you. It looks like a mini warthog from Halo. Really, like a miniature version of a Halo uh, Halo warthog. I'm not even joking. And it's just like a four wheeler. It is a four wheeler that looks like a. I get what you're talking about. It's got like uh, racing seats in it and shit, and um, this is it. Tell me that that's what it looks like. It looks like a mini warthog. It does. it? It really does. So Goose Goose had been teasing me on Twitter, being like, "Oh, Halls ain't gonna be ready for my new toy, man. Oh man, I got a new toy coming." So I thought he was getting a four wheeler because you know we had that I had that accident on the four wheeler when me and him were hanging out that one time, right? So I thought that's what he was talking about. Well, it is. It is a four wheeler, sort of. With a, it's like a four wheeler with a steering wheel, a passenger seat, and a roll cage all around it. Yeah. Right? If you're riding in a vehicle that needs a roll cage, you know that's going to be a good time. Mm. I see we think about this differently. Because <laughs> I see that roll cage and I go, oh, this is a death trap. <laughs> this is a death trap we're in right now. Oh, oh. So, Goose, I show up and um, my mom and my grandmother are already over at Goose and Amanda's house. Um, and they had already been on it. Goose had taken them for a ride. Right. And my grandmother in her 80s is all, oh, honey, that is a lot of fun, that thing Goose got. You got to go for a ride. No, and Goose took it easy on my poor grandmother. Right. Well, Goose, he likes to scare me, right? Right. He so likes we, to take you to the limit. He does, because he knows my reaction. My reaction is high-pitched screams, Goose, you play too much, things like that, right? Right. So before he starts grilling it up for Father's Day... I mean, the minute we get in the door, he's like, you going for a ride? You going for a ride? Of course I'm going for a ride. Well, we get in this thing, and Goose takes off hauling ass through his neighborhood at, like, 90. Whoa. This thing can go... This thing fucking flies fast. It doesn't creep up to that speed. It's like a goddamn rocket ship. Right. And he's going down his fucking out in the middle of nowhere Caledonia roads at 90 and I'm screaming and he's laughing and I just see my life flash before my eyes like the dude is going buck wild in this thing with me right (laughs) right going up ditches in and out of ditches because this thing you can't put anything in this thing's way that it can't climb up you know what I'm saying yeah I'm not saying it wasn't fun okay I did feel like I was inches away from death right because you know what that roll cage that's not going to protect my head that's what I was trying to tell Goose. Like, I mean, I'd feel more safe with a helmet. <laughs> I mean, you got to put your hands up there. You know, you got to do some work with the roll cage. And crush my hand. I mean, it's seems like a bad idea all around. <laughs> and Goose is like, oh, no, man. Real men don't wear helmets. I'm telling you what. If I owned one of those, I'd have a full goddamn <laughs> Master Chief body armor. I'd have, like, a Formula One seat with you buckled in from, like, three different directions. Like, the three-point harness and yeah. shit. And I'd have a good old time, but you know what? I'd be safe. Flame retardant suit, some body armor, nice helmet. Look like the Stig. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna fucking buy Goose a helmet. Cause come on, man, he something's gonna. It'd happen. be a funny gift to give him. 
That's you should, a- and you should uh, have it decorated, like spray painted, mm-hmm. and it should be Goku. And that would that would be it. That would be perfect for Goose. Well, so we hang out after dinner. I don't want to go on a ride in it again because I feel like if I go on a ride in it with a belly full of steak and potatoes and shit, I'm just going to throw up all over this thing. Meanwhile, Jesse's like, oh, yeah, I'll go on a ride in it. And I'm telling you, they were probably gone three minutes, four minutes. I'm fucking sweating bullets the whole time, like looking out the window. Oh, shit, he didn't wreck it, did he? And we come back in, and Jesse's like, that was that was awesome. That was so much fun. We can't ever get one of those because I'd die in a fiery car crash. <laughs> and that, nice. that's exactly my point. Like, yeah, I would like to have one of those things. It seems like it'd be a lot of fun. But I would be without a lady because her ass would be trying to fucking drift and fucking climb mountains with it and shit well you just gotta know drive 400 miles an hour know your limit jesse has no fear of death whatsoever she don't give a fuck she wants to go now for all she cares let's go ahead and get it over with top gun school me i'm like no i'm sticking around as long as possible son She'd rather burn out than fade away. I'll fade away so slowly, <laughs> I don't give a fuck. No, I understand that a little bit. <clears throat> I want to stick around, son. All right. But yeah, and and when we were leaving, Goose was like, you want one, don't you? <laughs> well, of course I want one. It was fun. It'd be fun to drive. Maybe next time, I'll put the hand controls on it, go for a little spin myself. But I'm going to be wearing a helmet. If I got to stop and get a helmet on, on my way to... Mississippi next time, my big old noggin, because that's a big target yeah. for the ground to hit if I get thrown from that thing or it rolls, yeah. or God forbid, going down Goose's Country Road and a giant fucking truck hits me, oh. no, maybe I won't, won't be driving. I think I just talked myself out of it. No, you should get your helmet and you should put like Boba Fett on your, or you should get <laughs> a Boba Fett like helmet. Oh, man. This thing, man. Yeah, look this thing up if you guys have a chance. We watched. I got when we got home on Sunday. Uh, people came over for Game of Thrones, and I was showing them some videos of it online to try and adequately describe this hell ride that Goose took me on. Right. And people are jumping shit in this, like getting major air in one of these things. Dangerous, my friends. I like living too much because I, I know eventually I'd get too comfortable with it and be like no I got mind control over this thing. It's time to start taking this thing off some ramps. Odds are you'd probably get maimed before you die. You know, you might lose an arm to it. What the fuck am I going to do with one arm? <laughs> Wheel around in circles everywhere. <laughs> that's what people are like yeah, I am definitely afraid of losing a hand or an arm. Have I ever told you that? But then that's probably not a good recreational purchase for you. Oh, for sure. I'm not, I mean just like how I always say, yeah, a real lightsaber would be real cool. I don't know that I'd get one cuz I'd cut my own arm off. Yeah. And then how am I supposed to play video games? Or I'd use my arms for too much. Take a leg. I don't give a fuck about a leg. <laughs> kind of want one of them gone anyway <laughs> so if that Don't was in an that. accident and i had a cool story to tell if that was the only thing that happened i'd be like yeah lost a leg in a razor accident an arm though there's no video games i'm wheeling around in circles in the living room trying to get to the bathroom or something <laughs> what the fuck am i gonna do then i, I can't do my job with one hand so now i've got one arm no job no video games can't get anywhere i want because i just wheel around in a circle Mm-mm. yeah you better start insuring your hands right now take out an insurance policy like a hand model yeah i could not be a hand model 
If they try, if I tried to get a job as a hand model, they'd be like, "You're fucking stupid." They'd be like, "My, those are some manly hands you have." They're not even manly; they're like mutated. And I got that fucking Megan Fox club thumb going on. Oh, that's hot. No, club thumb, son. My thumbs look like toes. Why? Why do I got to be in a wheelchair and have club thumbs and bad eyes? You know what I'm saying? I'm why not couldn't sure I just that get you have one of club thumbs. I do have club I'm thumbs. Pretty sure that's all in your brain. No, that's a club thumb, my friend. I, I don't know about I've that. I've looked it up online. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. The, I did my research. The, the WebMD. No, I didn't do WebMD. I don't the, know that WebMD has a, a giant article on club thumbs. The, but the I, Wikipedia? You Wikipedia I did a little thumbs. Wikipedia research. So, why don't we get to Star Wars news instead of talking about all my weird neurotic the- <laughs> neurotic fears. You want to know? idiosecrecy. What else I'm scared? Deathly afraid of? Spiders. You would hate this. No, Jesse. I like, I like her. She, the reason she likes all my weird fears is so she can exploit them against me and use them against me I don't think to, get, get, to get screams out of me. She, there, were, there were several months. It went on for about six months where about once every two weeks she would come into the bathroom while I was getting a shower and she would sneak her head into the shower with me and just be like, hey, baby. And scare the shit out of me. <laughs> and I would scream, ah! Because I don't have a manly scream, by the way. Right. It's real bad. Yeah. You've seen it. Oh, yeah. And she Couple would just times. laugh and laugh. Oh, it's so funny. Meanwhile, I damn near had a heart attack in the shower. <laughs> it's probably pretty funny. Oh, I'm sure it's in hilarious. I'm not taking, but I'm just saying, like, my heart can only take my, too many. I'm a jumpy dude. It's, I'm easily scared. Well, she's got to get him in now while you're young. No, that's I'm telling you, if I die of a heart attack, it's going to be from her scaring me while I'm in the shower. Yeah. And she, she'll she probably a, feel bad about it. Goose. Goose can give her probably a run for her money. Yeah. Goose he used to get d- you really good. Goose has, has done it uh, several times himself. Uh, it, they just think it's so funny. You just take it so well. I don't. I know. That's the fun part. <laughs> so... Star Wars news. Instead of all these weird, this weird bullshit that I'm afraid of. Um, so, lots of Rogue One news this week. <clears throat> Entertainment Weekly has been doing um, sort of features every day uh, through this week. The, the big one was all in the first day where they sort of went through the entirety of the cast and gave us character breakdowns. We'll go through those in a second, but I thought I would hit... The other points. Uh, I wouldn't even call them smaller because there's some big stuff in there. Um, But as a forewarning, we're going to be talking about Rogue One in some detail. This is all officially announced or released stuff. So I don't really consider it spoilers. But if you're sensitive to that kind of stuff and want to know absolutely nothing going in, then this may not be the episode for you. You may want to skip forward uh, maybe about 30 minutes to the email section. But... Uh, the first big thing, they confirmed Darth Vader's in it. I mean, surprise, surprise. Uh, I feel like to be. we've known that forever. A- at this point, if making Star Wars says it's happening, I think everybody should just sort of fucking a- accept it at this point. You know what I'm saying? Right. They've got an incredible track record. Um, James Earl Jones returning to provide the voice. Crucial. Crucial. You've got to get that as many times as you can before you can't get it anymore. Wouldn't it have been fucked up? If he didn't come back for this, though, but he came back for Rebels, 
Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Man, that would have been fucked up. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> What else did they say? They said that he's in it, but don't expect him to be in it a whole lot, which I understand. They're going to use him sparingly in it, Um, I think, to make him more of just like an ominous presence out there. Um, Something to be feared. Yeah. I'm sure we'll see him in, an act, in action at least once, I would think. Yeah. Um, but as as that band of rebels, <coughs> talk about the one thing, you know, one person's radar you don't want to be on. And that would be Darth Vader. Um, And mainly the other stuff, like I said, was the, the character breakdowns that they did. So do you want to go through those? Absolutely. Well, first up, we have Felicity Jones. You know, we saw her in the trailer. She plays Jen Erso. And this is what they had to say about her. A streetwise delinquent who has been on her own since 15. She has fighting skills and a knowledge of the galactic underworld that the Rebel Alliance desperately needs. She's got a checkered past, says Lucasfilm president and Rogue One producer Kathleen Kennedy. She has been detained by the Rebellion and is being given an opportunity to be useful. And by being useful, it may commute, commute her sentence. She's a real survivor. She becomes a kind of Joan of Arc in the story. So that feeling I got from the trailer seems to be pretty right on that she's not, at least at first, a willing member of the Rebellion. She right. seems like a street kid that's been, you know, she's got some ex- experience and she's a bit of a troublemaker. The The Rebellion basically came at her and like, look, we're going to make you an offer you can't refuse. The question to me is like, how can the rebellion commute her sentence? You know what I'm saying? Maybe they have connections in some sort of galactic judiciary. in the empire or something. Like somehow they can make. I her don't imp- know because you would think who she would be in trouble would be the governing, the body body of the galaxy, which is the empire. And in the beginning, and of there the is Ro- no more senate. Right. Well, no, there's still a senate. The senate doesn't get dissolved in, in until a That's new. True. Hope. You're right. It's in the li- we're in the last days You're of very the senate. Right. Um, but. You would think, because they read off all her charges, and it's like, you know, forging imperial documents and stuff. So maybe they do have someone on the inside that well, can wipe her record if if she does what they need her to do. They've got Princess Leia. They do have Princess Leia, and she's a senator. And she could do all of that. Interesting. That's a good point. Uh, next up, we have Diego Luna. That's the guy that was in Elysium. He's been in lots of other stuff. That's yeah. the one I'm most familiar with. As Captain Cassian Andor. Andor is a by-the-book rebellion intelligence officer. Brought in to steady the volatile Urso, but he is no square. He's committed, steady, and practical, and has seen more than his share of combat. He conveys a fair amount of experience and the reality of what it's like to do this every day. To try to figure out how to resist the Empire effectively and intelligently, says Kiri Hart, Lucasfilm's chief of story development. It's not easy. So he's like, I sort of see the, like, like they're going to be at odds. He, I, I think he and Felicity Jones are the quote-unquote two main leads, if I had to guess. They'll be the leaders of the team, I assume. Right. He's sent along on the mission to keep her in check. And make sure everything is sort of, you know. And they really need her expertise and her knowledge. Right, but he's not from. He's not going to be a stuffy. You know what I'm saying? He's going to be a little, little, might Luke, be a little hunt. It'll probably, you know, to bring the group together, they might be at odds in the beginning and then. 
Oh, I'm sure. There's going to be, I mean, with a big team movie like this, there's always inter-team conflict. You know what I'm saying? That's what makes it fun. Right. If the whole team got along from the get-go, then it's not that interesting. I'm sure some of these people are going to be at odds. Next up, we have Donnie Yen. I'm real excited about this one. You know I am. Churrit Mway. Pronounced Churrit, he's no Jedi, but he's devoted to their ways and has used his spirituality to overcome his blindness and become a formidable warrior. Churrit falls into the category of a warrior monk, says Kennedy. He very much still believes in everything the Jedi were about. He maintains that belief even though the Jedi are no longer there to protect the galaxy. As director Eric Gareth Edwards put it, the idea that magical beings are going to come and save us is going away, and it's up to normal everyday people to take a stand to stop evil from dominating the world. Incredible. So Super stoked. I love that. Yeah, I like that too. He's the guy we see in the trailer whipping the stormtrooper's ass with like a bow staff or whatever it is. I'm sure his cane. <clears throat> so, do you think he's going to have the force? I doubt it. I bet they'll hint at it. I think, I mean, yeah, obviously, he, like they said, he's not a Jedi. I don't think he'll see things, but he might have premonitions. I, I don't know if, about that even. I think he may have, like, the smallest, slightest use of the Force that helps him get around besides the fact, you know, to despite the fact that he's blind. You see what I'm saying? Right. I don't know that he's going to be able to move things or anything like that. You know what I'm saying? I'm thinking it's going to be sort of... um a daredevil type situation where if he does have the slightest connection to the force, it's to help him overcome his disability, his blindness. Right. <clears throat> Next up, I'm excited about this. So, we, I mean, we've seen most of these people in the trailer. We saw this guy, this next guy, Bays Malbus, um, in the trailer, and he's the guy that's sort of running, shooting the big gun. He's got the big backpack on his back. Right. Sort of long hair that's almost, it looks like it's sort of dreaded. Um, but apparently he and Churrit are a team. Heavily armored, Baze prefers a blaster to hokey religions and ancient weapons. But he is devoted to protecting his friend Churrit at all costs. He understands Churrit's spiritual centeredness, but he doesn't necessarily support it, Kennedy says. Baze goes along with his force business because it's what his friend deeply believes, she adds. Think of them... them as a little like the galactic version of Don Quixote and Sancho Panza. <clears throat> I like that. And this guy, I guess he's going to be like their heavy weapon. He's the he's the muscle, the heavy weapons guy on the team. Yeah. Probably a weapons expert. I doubt uh, that one laser rifle we see him using in the trailer. I doubt that's all he got. Oh. He seems like the guy that's got an arsenal with right. him at all he times. He seems like the guy that's got it all ready to go. You know what's interesting? Now that I think about it, uh, Churrit, to go back to him for a second, his whole way of thinking about the Force, that sounds a whole like a whole lot like that sort of Church of the Force concept that they introduced with Lor Santeca in The yeah. Force Awakens. It does. It sounds a lot like it. So I wonder if the, maybe he's a member of that. If that religion or following goes all the way back to times of the original trilogy, then that would be kind of cool. That'd be really neat. Next up, we've got Bodhi Rook, played by Riz Ahmed. Bodhi is the Rebel Squad's lead pilot. He tends to be hot-headed, 
but any abrasiveness is overshadowed by his skills in the air and the void of space. He flies a lot of cargo, one of his key jobs, Kennedy says, and he tends to be a little tense, a little volatile, but everybody in the group really relies on his technical skills. So I think that's cool. That is. Got to have the pilot. I wonder what kind of ship he's going to pilot. I'm sure it'll be something awesome. <laughs> like what I if imagine, he pilots several things. What if he's like a universal pilot? Well, I'm sure he can. I'm sure he can fly. He's one of those characters that can fly anything you put him into. You know what I'm saying? Right. I'm just wondering if he's got a ship, like a a ship that is his that's tied to him, like the Millennium Falcon, or yeah. You know what I'm saying? I would imagine that's probably how they get all get around as a group. They all hop on his ship and. What was Dash Rendar's ship name? <sighs> Fuck. What was his ship's name? Dash Rendar's ship. Fuck, I can't remember. It was something neat. It's one of those things where I get put on the spot. I could have... I think I would have known if it that before. Were, if, if Steve were sitting here and that were a trivia question, mm-hmm. you would have gotten that right. Maybe. Maybe. It pro- might have been even a little on the spot then. Shit. Dash Rendar's ship. It'll come to me. We can go on. I'm sorry. Oh, that's okay. Next up, we have K2SO, which is the character that was motion captured by Alan Tudyk. Right. This towering, powerful security droid is described by Edwards as the antithesis of C-3PO. In other words, he's tough, confident, not especially interested in human-cyborg relations, and the complete opposite of a neurotic fuzz bucket. Fuss bucket. Fuss, Fuss budget? <laughs> Something. K2, which I like as his abbreviation. Right. K2 is a little bit like Chewbacca's personality in a droid's body, Edward says. He doesn't give a shit about what you think. He doesn't fully check himself before he says things and does things. He just speaks the truth. Like Jin, he's also seeking a bit of redemption for past wrongs. Droids, too, can have regrets. That's cool. That's very cool. That is very cool. So I'm pretty sure he's he's like a pre he was an imperial enforcer droid, and somehow he started to regret that. Maybe they captured him and reprogrammed him or something. He might have gained sentience and a conscience. Um, but I I like that concept. You know who he sounds like to me personality wise is um was his name HK forty seven from the. Knights of the Old Republic games, oh, yeah. the assassin droid that was right. kind of a smart ass. Yep. I kind of get a feeling that we might, although he's not HK-47, it seems like we might be getting a character kind of close to that. Smart ass murder droid. Smart ass murder droid. I like that. <coughs> yeah, I'm excited to, to see that character. I'm sure it's going to make a badass looking Black Series figure when that comes around. Yeah. And then we have Mads Mikkelsen, the guy from Hannibal. He is playing Galen Urso. Uh-oh. Family connection. Jen's estranged father is like the galactic version of nuclear pioneer J. Robert, Robert Oppenheimer with doomsday knowledge that is sought out by both the Empire and the Rebellion. He is one of those people that has insight into, you know, specific aspects of just how the universe works, says Hart. Where he... Where has Galen been if Jen has been on her own for years? The circumstances of how the family got to their state that is it, that it's in is something that we probably don't want to share right now, Hart says. 
uh, Lucasfilm isn't revealing its image yet. His image. So the the picture that's in this isn't what he looks like in the movie. That's just him in like a nice plaid shirt. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. Little father daughter friction going on. If he's sought for his doomsday knowledge, he may be the one that designs the Death Star. Well, we know the Geonosians designed the Death Star, at least the initial design. So something tells me that he may not have come up with the initial design, but he's who helps them figure out the laser assembly. Maybe the laser assembly. Maybe, we, you know, there's those rumors about kyber crystals being in it. So maybe he's the one who figures out how to focus the kyber crystals in a way that can create that fucking world destroying beam or i have a feeling that he he more knows about how to make the the cannon for lack of a better term fire and shit like that i don't think he's necessarily who created or you know came up with the plans for the death star because they they're taking into account you know the stuff that's canon right um would it be interesting or would this be a little cheesy to you if he's who designed the first death star to have that exhaust port as like that would be cheese you think so it would be because if he's conflicted if he designs it on purpose to give it a weakness that would be cool that's what i'm saying oh well i'm I saying like you he purposely like, what if it just happens to- no he purposely in setting up the weapon is like well if i put this exhaust point here it'll present a weakness so this thing can be taken out so that if i but it's it's so uh you know unassuming of a feature that nobody checking it out will be like hey what about what's this fucking hole yeah this doesn't go to code (laughs) you know what i'm saying like he can't give it a a huge major weakness because if it did it would give up you know give himself up right i'm saying what if he did it on purpose so that there is a weakness no i see what you're saying i agree that'd be cool who knows and then we have Ben Mendelsohn's character. He's the guy we saw in the white suit with the long white cape and stuff. I got something coming out of my no, nose. No, I was just scratching. Thought my you were nose. trying to tell me I had a boogie in no, my beard. No, I was scratching my nose. Uh, his name is Director Orson Krennic. On the opposing side, this villain is as is an ambitious imperial apparatchik. I don't know what the fuck that word's supposed to be. Who intends to use his squad of death troopers to pulverize the rebellion uprising and ascend into the Emperor's graces while hopefully avoiding the wrath of his enforcer, Darth Vader. The bad guy is a lot more terrifying when he is really smart and really effective, says John Knoll. There's a lot of palace entry going on in the Empire with people conspiring to move up the ranks and sabotage each other. There's not a lot of loyalty there. Well, that's cool. He's sort of a more intelligent, manipulative. The white, the guy in the white cape. Yeah, and so the the death troopers we saw in Rogue One, the guys in black. I'm thinking those are like his personal force. That's why. <clears throat> I don't think he, the homeboy's going to make it out of this, though. That's the if thing. Vader has to show up. Odds are you're not making it out of this. Well, yeah, if Vader shows up, something if, tells me that means homeboy fucks up at some that's point. That's what I'm saying. If your failure causes Vader to show up, what we know about Vader at this time is that you pay for failure with your life. Because the thing is, is like this guy would definitely show up in the next in the trilogy if he was still around. A character like this, he would have shown up. 
Now, I guess they could keep him alive to maybe work him into some of the comics or stuff set in during the original trilogy, but I don't know. They'll probably blow his capital ship up with him on it. <clears throat> or Vader will take him out because yep. he's pissed at whatever it is. He's fucked up. Yep. Um, It'd be cool to see him force choke right at the end. Or something like that, you yeah. know? Then, next up, this one's big. This one, to me, is the biggest one. It's the one I read the most about online. And then the one I was most impressed with, Forrest Whitaker, as Saw Guerrera. Now, uh, I'm going to go ahead and read this, and we'll get into it a little more. This character has a past that Star Wars completionists will recognize immediately when they see his name, even if he looks very different than the way they've seen him elsewhere in Season 5 of the Clone Wars animated series. Consider him kind of a battered veteran who leads a band of rebel extremists, Lucasfilm President Kathleen Kennedy tells Entertainment Weekly. He's on the fringe of the Rebel Alliance. Even they are a little concerned about him. So... They said it in there. This is this is cool to me. They took a character from the Clone Wars, and now we're seeing him represented in live action. Which a I like because there's there's I won't say a lot. Clone Wars is actually pretty in the majority pretty well liked. But every now and then you get that dude with a stick up his butt that's like, oh, Clone Wars isn't canon. It is right. It is canon. And it's canon because it's awesome. If Clone Wars wasn't awesome when Disney took over, they'd be like, yeah, that's not canon. Fuck that. But they liked where it was going. They liked what it did. And liked it so much that they included a character in. I like that. It's what I've been wanting this whole time is to bridge the animated stuff and the live action stuff a little more. Yep. And I think that's also cool because it also opens up the opportunity if there's a character in one of the books you like. Maybe you'll see him as a live action character. A lot of people would have liked that, I think. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And let's be honest, like as cool as it is, it's also a little low risk. It's not one of the main characters from Clone Wars. He's in one like four episode arc. He's a human character. And it won't affect anybody that hasn't seen it won't. Clone That's Wars. what I'm saying. Like if you throw like let's say this was Ahsoka and you're trying to explain in a movie that Vader has an apprentice, a female apprentice, who left the Jedi Order, blah, 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 blah. That would be confusing to the general audience. Absolutely. That's not saying we won't ever see a live-action Ahsoka. I think it's possible with as much as, as well-liked as that character is. Right. It's just a lot to try and explain. Especially in a movie that's got this many, you know, this is a team movie. Like, that would be a lot to try and shove in while you're also telling everybody about all the other characters. Yeah. Also, you run into the problem with, I don't know how well you can pull off a live-action Ahsoka. You know? There's some makeup and prosthetics involved right off the bat. I mean, there is. Hours worth. And I've seen I've seen good cosplay of Ahsoka, but I've never seen one where I was like, damn, that could be in the movie and it would look just fine. Right. You know what I'm saying? I've never seen an Ahsoka cosplay or someone dressed up like her that really was on point. I mean, I say that, but... That made me think, oh, that's Ahsoka. Like, it's like, no, she's trying to look kind of like Ahsoka. No, I, I mean, I've seen ones where I'm like, damn, that's on point, but never to the degree of that should be in the movie. Right, just that's like what that. I'm it's hard, to, and it's not their fault. It's just a, something that's hard to pull off, right? Convincingly, um, because the nature of the character is animated, not real. But yeah, as soon as this story broke, you know what I did? Went and watched those episodes of Clone Wars. Get yeah. reacquainted with. I the knew character. you would. Um, 
and and that's not to say that they can't throw some little references in to what he goes goes through in those episodes. Um, he loses a sister in those episodes, so if he mentions that in passing in a conversation, that'll be a nice nod to those episodes. Of course, um, he does he does get trained by Anakin, Obi Wan, and Ahsoka. Uh, I don't necessarily know that they'll reference that. I could be wrong. But that would be one of those things that would seem like sort of a a lot to try to shove in and That's reference. That's a heavy-handed... Yeah. But, you know, there's other things they could reference. I just... I'm so stoked about this. At this point now, there's this opens the door, in my opinion. Like, maybe we'll see Cad Bane one day. That's who I'm hoping for. That'd be really cool. That would be cool. Once again, they would have to do it just right, though. Like... That would be could be another character that's tough to to pull off effectively, uh, mainly because the one time we've seen a Duros, that's what he is, right? A Duros, yeah, yeah. In the movie, you know, like they didn't talk; they were just in the cantina, right? If you're going to have him in there and, and play a significant role where he's going to talk and shit, then you know that could be a little more difficult, right? But not undoable, I don't think. They could take the same effect or t- same approach that they did with like Uncar Plutt in The Force Awakens, where it was a, a a practical suit and mask, but parts of the like the eyes and the mouth were CG'd. Right. <clears throat> I think they could do something like that. But yeah, pretty exciting stuff. We're starting to to get a lot of information about Rogue One now that we're less than six months out. We're so close. I know, man. It seems like it's coming up quick. Which is fine with me. Um, so, where do we have to go from here as far as news goes? Well, in two weeks, Star Wars Celebration Europe starts. And uh, the first panel there is a Rogue One panel. I'm sure we'll probably get a trailer. If not a trailer, maybe a behind-the-scenes deal, kind of. But I'm almost certain there'll be a trailer. <laughs> so... We'll have a trailer maybe to look forward to in a couple of weeks. And who knows what else, what other kind of information will be coming out of Star Wars Celebration. So it looks like we're going to, it's going to ramp up for a little while here. And then it's going to fucking go dead, I'm sure. And we're going to be sitting here talking about how I'm afraid of fucking clowns and spiders and dying early. And I like those conversations. I don't. Cause sometimes they give me a little anxiety. I get sweaty back. Yikes. <laughs> So, that's pretty much it on the Rogue One news. Uh, I'm telling you right now, Churret and Blaze, or Baze, are going to be my favorite, too. Mine, too. I can tell right off the bat. <laughs> I like the big crazy guy and the smaller in stature, but equally as powerful, like, spiritual calm dude. You know what I'm saying? I like you that dynamic. Me? You gave me the wise, calm, kung fu, badass Jedi monk. Um, like, uh, Yeah, I'm really going to like that character. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Um, so do you want to get into some listener emails? I do. Certainly. All right. We got two new listeners that wrote in this time. First time writers. <sighs> this one's from our buddy Michael. Hey, Halls and Will. Hey, guys. First time emailer here. I'd like to say you guys have a fantastic podcast, which is my highlight of my podcasting week. Having only recently discovered The Harvest via Rogue One, I can say without a doubt your show is a complete blast with two outstanding and very down-to-earth hosts. Well, thank you, buddy. Thank you. 
So to the point of my email, email a few episodes, man. Sorry, Michael. I've been reading a lot tonight. A few episodes back, you lads mentioned you both enjoy Star Wars pen and paper tabletop RPGs, with Will mentioning his love for the D20 system. As an avid Star Wars fan and RPG geek, I cannot recommend Fantasy Flight Games Star Wars role-playing system enough. It used a fantastic narrative dice system with an array of funk funky dice with funky symbols it can seem a little overwhelming from the outside looking in but once you're at a table rolling those dice it all becomes clear the way the game works puts it works it puts massive narrative control into the player's hands as well as, as the game masters game mechanics aside though the game's line of books are amazing source of rich star wars lore that dive deep into nitty-gritty elements that are often overlooked in novels comics and etc best of all all the lore found in this in this sorry best of all all the lore found in the books is given the green light by lucasfilm before going to print which more or less makes it canon this makes the source books an excellent resource for all Star Wars fans, even if they don't actually play the game. In short, give Fantasy Flight Games Star Wars a go if you can. I have played a run stacks of RPGs. Oh, I have played and run stacks of RPGs, including the various incarnations of Star Wars, and I can safely say this current version is the most fun out there. It's a dream to run from a Game Master perspective and an absolute blast for anyone playing. Well, thanks, buddy. Thanks for writing in. Will and I are indeed fans of not just Star Wars tabletop RPGs, just tabletop RPGs in general. The Fantasy Flight ones do sound cool. I will say I have... um, a lot of respect for Fantasy Flight Games. Yeah. They put out quality product across the board. They really do. I was into them before they even had the Star Wars license. We used to play Descent. We did. I was about to say, we played a lot of Descent. Descent is a lot of fun. I even got the second edition of that, and uh, we had Descent Night for a while and tore through the provided campaign like that shipped with the just the core game. Right. A lot of fun. Um what else have I played of theirs? Uh, you know what's surprisingly fun? The World of Warcraft board game. Really? That they do. I've only played it once with Steve, um, but it was a lot of fun. And uh, I know a lot of people that are into the Battlestar Galactica game. Apparently, it's pretty complex and complicated, but I know a lot of people that like it. The Game of Thrones board game that they do. A lot of fun. Right. Um <coughs> What else? But anyway, besides that, the Star Wars stuff that I've tried. I've tried uh, their X-Wing miniature games. I have several of those. A lot of fun. It can be a little bit of a, a setup and explanation to someone else that's not familiar with the rules. Right. But once you get it down, it can be a good bit of fun. Um, and I've got their uh, living card game, the Star Wars card game. Also... A lot of fun. I'm a few expansions behind. I need to pick those up. Yeah. Because I like to keep a... a compl- and I'll tell you this. Besides just being fun games, the Star Wars Fantasy Flight stuff, the production value behind their stuff is so top-notch. The artwork on all the cards, the miniatures for the X-Wing game. Wow. All top-notch. I can't speak highly enough about it. And they have a couple of other Star Wars board games. They've got a, one called Rebellion. And one called Imperial Assault, which is basically Descent, but Star Wars. Oh. Right? 
I got to get that sometime. That'll be awesome. But uh, I, I don't have any of their source books, but I would like to get them. That was always fun back in the day. I think the first one I ever got was maybe the second edition of the West End game Star Wars RPG. Yeah. Never played it. Never got anyone to play with me back in the day. Um, but just going through the source book and reading all the little ins and outs and seeing all the artwork and stuff, a lot of fun. That's kind of how I was with the original Star Wars card trading game. I didn't have oh, a whole the lot. one from De- Decipher. Yeah, that game was complicated. It was. I l- I've learned how to and played it several times. Not a whole bunch, but there was attrition and all this other crazy shit you had to take into effect or into effect. It was. It was fun. The few times I got to play it with some friends that basically were smarter than me and could explain the rules to me, I've still got all my cards I somewhere. Had starter, probably at my parents' the house. Starter kit. Yeah, like the yeah. one light side deck and the one dark side deck. I actually bought a few more packs past that trying to get Me too. Luke Skywalkers and the the best card I ever got was a fucking a new hope Luke Skywalker and I got a Yoda and I got a Yoda once the Dagobah set came out. Yeah. Never again did I get a good card out wow. of buying packs. It was tough. They, I mean, on a kid's budget, you know, I'm in fucking I don't know, sixth or seventh grade when that came out. Right. I just uh, I had whatever cash I could uh, rustle up doing chores and shit for my parents. They wanted is, to take it all. Yeah. And I'd get two packs and just pull shit. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, if we, if we ever get around to actually doing, um, maybe a tabletop star Wars campaign on the can on the podcast, it'll, it'll probably be fantasy flights system that I go with. That was just give me an excuse to get the books and stuff. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> so this next one, it's from our buddy, Joe. So, I am going to pass my phone over to you and let you read this, because my throat is a burning. <laughs> and Joe wrote us quite the email. It's a good one. I pre-read it. Um, but I just need to take my happy ass a little vocal rest. Right. Hello, Hawes and Will, and any guest you have this week. Keep up the great work. A quick observation your fans may enjoy before I get to my question When I write to you, I feel like I minimize my wording. But then, when it's read in real time by either of you on the podcast, I yell at myself, get on with it, like the characters in Monty Python and the Holy Grail. It's interesting to hear my own words read back to me and yet get angry that I'm too wordy, probably like I already am in this current message. (laughs) Bro, I haven't even got started yet. (laughs) Here's my observation of the week. Preface. I don't like doing hypotheticals because it's all speculation and no one knows the truth until the Star Wars films come out. But something struck me watching The Force Awakens recently. I learned to pay attention to body language uh, to assess if I'm getting the entire story from someone. For example, if you doubt whether someone is lying to you, you you should watch their eyes unless they've trained themselves against it and their eyes shift left and right instead of maintaining constant eye contact with you. It's a natural reaction. Something else to pay attention to is the decibel level of a person's voice. No matter how deep or how high someone's voice is, everyone has a natural decibel level to their voice. I'll I'll use myself as an example. When I was a guest on your podcast, I could hear in the first several minutes that my voice was in a higher pitch than usual. I was anxious because I'm not recorded on a podcast except for once or twice a year. 
after a while, though, I became more relaxed and my voice became more regular. To this point, there are several things that cause someone's decibel level to rise. Anxiety, surprise, and fear, among others. With this background explained, get on with it. Here's my observation that leads into my hypothetical question. After Ray, Finn, and BB-8 escape from Jakku, a First Order officer tells Kylo Ren that the BB unit escaped aboard a ship. Kylo Ren questions how the droid commandeered a ship by itself. The officer expounds further that the droid had help from Finn. At that point, Kylo Ren destroys the console in front of him with the lightsaber. After this, uh, no, I'm sorry. After his temper tantrum, Ren simply asks, "Anything else?" At that point, the first order, uh, the first order officer says that they were helped by a girl. Kylo Ren force drags the officer into his clenched fist and asks, "What girl?" So here's where decibel levels matter. When Kylo Ren asks anything else, his decibel level is slightly higher than what we've heard throughout the movie to that point. More importantly, Ren's decibel level seems even higher when he asks, what girl? And here's where it comes together with Kylo Ren and the decibel level. My hypothetical question is this. Did Kylo Ren have a force vision of his own prior to the Force Awakens that he sees unfolding into actualization, thus asking, what girl? I had the thought that Kylo Ren had a force vision involving him chasing and finding Luke Skywalker. That force vision involved the planet Jakku, a traitor of the First Order and an unidentified girl. When the First Order officer informs him of the girl that helped Finn and BB-8 escape Jakku, it was the final disclosure of a girl that catches Ren off guard. This causes Kylo Ren to ask what girl in decibel level slightly higher than we hear throughout the rest of the movie. Uh, here's the important part. This hypothetical support... This hypothetical supports a position that Kylo Ren doesn't know Rey personally because she was never in training with the Jedi Academy, and therefore Luke has no previous knowledge of Rey, and therefore Luke is not Rey's father. As said, I don't like making my own hypothetical questions because they're all potentially false interpretations. I generally hope Luke is not Rey's father because it just seems too easy of a plot. I'd rather Rey be the daughter of people who haven't people who we haven't met yet because it would open up the Star Wars universe into a family that may be just as interesting as the Skywalker family. May the Force be with you and your listeners. Joe, P.S. Get on with it. Man, Joe, I, uh, I, I stepped on some cool Powerade and, and revitalized myself a little bit. That was an email, sir. That was an email. A plus, three gold stars. But that was a long one, that my was friend. A, a long email. My good friend. And now... I only say this because I did a science experiment on this. Uh, yeah, You're, this is actually uh, an excellent question because Will, psychology major, graduated <laughs> summa cum laude. <laughs> um, that, that, I mean, even more than that, we could go into it. But the one thing I was going to say was when I was very young, I did a science experiment about decibel levels. And decibel levels are actually the um, the loudness of a sound like how loud it is right i think what he's referring to is pitch 
and when pitch you know raises or lowers when you're talking about the highness or the lowness the basiness or like right, the right. highness of I, I see what you're saying you, I think you may be right I think he he might because when he said his voice cracks and goes up in pitch when he says what girl yeah or in, and if he if what Joe means is loudness instead of pitch like the, I just wanted to bring that up right on but um it do, no it totally makes psychologically people unless they've trained themselves not to do those certain ticks there are natural responses that will give away someone's but i i you know i don't know so far as how much kylo ren's voice in that scene really could draw that you know i think it's supposed to actually now i don't think it's because he's necessarily had a vision of her that's what i, I mean think i don't know like, i know that it can draw a vision but obviously i think it he has some connection you know and that you can tell that this is what i think i think you know in the the movie's called the force awakens and i think that's talking about kylo and ray I think the Force awakens in both of them. And I think the moment when the Force awakens in Rey is when she's flying the Falcon. You know what I'm saying? I think she's tapping into the Force unknowing the. There. I think it's already awakened. Like I think maybe a little. The but scene I think, where they're talking about there's been an awakening, have you felt it? It's after that. It's after she gets out. It's when he goes to report that the sh- you know the ship got away with bb-8 and that's when there, there's been an awakening have you felt it the droid is on the millennium falcon in the hands of your father han solo yeah um so i think I, like i think she's sensitive to the force before then but i think when it really awakens in, in her is when her back's up against the wall and she's got to fucking pilot this ship she's never driven before in a combat scenario. You think that's the Force? You don't think that's just her? I think it's... Well, I mean, it's her, but the Force is part of her. I mean, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Just like... To me, the Force so, awakens when she... So, here's a question. When Luke blows up the Death Star, is that just Luke, or is that Luke using the Force? That's I Luke mean, using the Force. But I it's mean, yeah. Luke. Right. It's Luke using the Force, which is in him. Right. I think it's the same thing with Rick. But you're, like, you're saying like that's the first time Luke uses the Force? No, I'm not. And I'm not even saying that's the first time that Ray necessarily even uses the Force. I think in any significant way it is, or else she would be less surprised when, uh, you know... Maz tells her the whole thing about the force and how it's calling to her and stuff. Very similar to how <coughs> how Anakin pilots pod racers before he knows about the force and before he starts training. That's the force in Anakin. Uh, yeah. Helping him see things before they happen and be able to uh, be the only human that can drive a pod and racer. And that's how I feel like the force was with Ray her entire life like that's I what do helped too. her hunt out, you know, and scavenge I, and survive. And I don't think she uses the force to to scavenge. I mean, I think, I think it helps. I think it helps her get around and stuff, but not in the way of like a prequel Jedi. She's not using the force to take giant leaps or anything. She's repelling. And, no, I, and shit like not that. Physically, I'm saying when the force awakens in her and she really taps into it for the first time and really has to use it, even though it's not something she's aware of. Is when she's piloting that Falcon. Because, like I said, shortly thereafter that is when Snoke says, there's been an awakening. Have you felt it? Right. 
if it was before then, they would have had that conversation already. I feel like it started when she resisted Kylo Ren. Like, that was the first time I, like, mm-hmm. I felt like it was the force, like. No. Man, see, this is the thing. She's trained on a simulator. simulator. We've known it from that from the books. Just training on a simulator, though, I don't think that's going to give her the necessary skills to just to, to pilot the Falcon how she does. Pretty adeptly, without a co-pilot, mind you. But through kind of like Anakin does, young Anakin does. I know, but that's what I'm saying. That's she, She's using the Force just like Anakin did as a little one. It's when it awakens in her. They have the conversation shortly thereafter. This is the point I've been trying to get to before you started to, trying to bow up on me about how she's not using the Force there. I'm just I saying, think, like, I don't know that it's so crystal clear that... I don't think it's... I said this is what I think. I don't. I'm not saying this is the the explanation. I think the series events and how they're laid out are pretty back up my claim pretty well. She does that shit in the Falcon. Kylo goes to Snoke, and Snoke's like, "Yo, there was an awakening. Did you feel that shit?" I think Kylo did feel it because he says he felt it. And when when because he's sitting there brooding before Homeboy comes in anyway, I think he felt that Homeboy comes in and is like, "Hey." By the way, that droid got away on an old YT model freighter. That in itself probably rings a bell to Kylo. I don't know if Kylo ever had any interactions with the Falcon. Because in Bloodline, the Claudia Gray book, Han has lost the Falcon already. And Snow, or Snow, Kylo's like 23 or 24 in that. He hasn't gone bad yet. Maybe he was around it when he was a youngin. But... That's got to be a weird mind fuck. Like, oh, YT model freighter. That's that fucking. That's the kind of shit my dad used to always talk about. The fucking Great Millennium Falcon. That's weird. And then he's like, I felt this awakening, and now this dude is bringing up some random girl that just helped this traitor and this droid ex- escape. I think that's why he's like, oh, could this be who? This girl is that who? I fe- felt awakening in the Force. You know. I, I, I just, you know, I know everybody doesn't want it to be Luke's daughter, but I just feel like they pointed to that so hard in The Force Awakens. I I feel like they pointed it to either Han or, uh, either Luke or Han and Leia. I personally, I mean, I want it to be Luke's daughter just because, like, if you're going to give Luke Skywalker a kid, Give him a fucking badass kid like Ray. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like with a heart of gold. Exactly. That's the perfect person to take on. Sir Galahad to the lens a lot. Being fucking Luke's apprentice and, and, and kid. Now, if it doesn't turn out to be that, I'll have to be okay with it. I'm sure I will be okay with whatever explanation they give me, unless they try to do some weird, something totally weird that I can't even comprehend or think of right now. The other reason I say that they kind of make it seem like it could be Han's kid is the all the finishing each other's sentences and you know stuff like that. And but there's certain things that if if she is Han and Leia's kid, they have to know they can't know that that is their kid in the Force Awakens. Like that has to be a surprise to Leia coming up. And so maybe And I don't know how that could be a surprise to Leia. Well, um our buddy Steel from Steel Wars, um, I was talking about him with about this with him on Rogue One, and he's got a pretty good point that what if they had a daughter that they thought died, 
but didn't really die. And Snoke took her and dropped her off on Jakku, being like, look, you can just stay here. And if for some reason this Kylo kid doesn't work out, I can come get you and try to turn you over to my side. Right. So maybe they did have a daughter that they knew they had. I mean, they can't have a kid and then just be like, oh, we forgot we had a daughter. So maybe she did. They did think she died. You know what I'm saying? Or there so, was an accident or an illness. Or something. For some reason, they don't think she's alive anymore. That's the, in my opinion, and, and I agree with C- Steele's opinion on this, it's the only way it can work for it to be Han and Leia's kid. I totally agree with that. And the reason that is is because if Han knew that was his daughter or even had the inkling, the suspect, suspected that it was his daughter, when Kylo takes her on Taco Donna, he would not have just blown it off no you know what i'm saying he had been like no you're right we got to go get that that's my daughter yeah so you know stuff like that <clears throat> now did kylo have a vision of ray i don't know i think if he did it's something that would have been brought up maybe even in that conversation with snoke so i kind of think maybe he didn't visions i don't know because the Emperor sort of hints that he has visions. He says he's foreseen things and stuff. I have foreseen it. Although it hasn't, it didn't come to pass. Like, he was wrong. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. For some reason, visions always seemed more but like Yoda a Yoda always thing. says, you know, visions of the Force are scary. Uh, not the Force, the future. The visions of the future are weird because they have not yet come to pass. Like, right. You know, you're seeing potentialities, I guess. Right, right. So I, I don't really know about the whole did Kylo have a vision thing. I'm going to say it, no. It'd be cool if he did, but I'm not sure. I'm going to say his whole, his whole, in my opinion, his whole, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Unease about the situation and the way his pitch and his voice changes is because he felt it in the force. He felt this new power come on the scene and was like, uh-oh, well, I thought I wiped that shit out. You know what I'm saying? Thought I'd wipe those homeboys out. Fucking dick. Killing all the Jedi. What an asshole. So I think we've got just one more. And this is from another um, first-time writer. His name is Richard. We share a name. That is neat. Yeah, in case people didn't know, my first name is Richard. I don't go by Richard because my dad's name is also Richard. So he called me by my middle name. I remember the first time it came up in conversation with Nick, with with Vader Nick, that my first name was Richard. He reacted like I was keeping some big secret from him. Like, Why didn't you tell me that? And I was just like, because I don't, nobody calls me Richard. People call me Halls. That's what I've been called my whole life. And, and it's not like my name isn't really Halls. That's my name. That's my middle name. That's just what I go by. But yeah, Nick was like, why have you been keeping this great secret from me? All right, here we go. From Richard. Halls and Will. I've sent some related thoughts to other podcasts, so so I'm not exactly pulling a Vader Nick with this email. You know, it's funny that we talked about Vader Nick, and I didn't even remember that he brought that up in this first paragraph. But you guys are getting the evolution of my thoughts over the last few days, which means a better email. I figured out why Kylo Ren's saber is so, so shitty and why he sucks with it. Why was he bested by Rey? Not because she was better, but because he wasn't trained with it. 
There's no reason a grown-ass Jedi shouldn't have a polished saber and have polished saber techniques. I came to this thought after watching Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens in sequence. You know that force power that Kylo uses to uh, freeze his opponents in place? He does it to Poe in the first scene and again to Rey in the forest on Takodana. I believe that he learned that power from Luke. Luke is most known for taking down Sith by refusing to fight. What if he has adopted this as a philosophy and avoids confrontation? Wouldn't he try to use the Force in a way that neutralizes his opponents rather than facing them? And with that, perhaps saber training is the last thing he wanted to do with Ben Solo. And I'm assuming he doesn't have his Anakin training video videos laying around. That isn't to say Luke can't whoop ass, but there is a very similar to most but this is very similar to most martial arts philosophies. As someone who trains in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, we are taught ways to neutralize our opponents without having to fight. I bet Luke adopted this philosophy and passed it on to Kylo, thus making Kylo so shitty with his own sabers. Thoughts? Richie from Boston. Boston. Well, so, Richie from Boston. <coughs> thanks for writing in. So that's a good email. Now. That is a good email. Why don't you take it off and then I'll, I'll jump in. Um, you know, there are two parts of me. And the one part of me thinks uh, I, uh, Luke Skywalker wouldn't train a Jedi without at least giving him minimal saber training in order to defend himself. Uh, but if you wanted to go that route, if you wanted to say that Luke adopted kind of a way of pacifism and defense only, I kind of get that. I, I, I could get it, you know, so... All your force techniques are pushes or freezes or holds or locks or, you know, you're taught force defense instead of saber defense. But I don't think that would protect you from a Sith. Should the Sith or a Dark Jedi rise, you still need to know how to save yourself, you know, defend yourself with a saber if it is possible. Also, I don't necessarily know that Kylo Ren was bested with saber ability, like... Kylo Ren is unstable. Like his yes. emotional and and just everything about his emotions and his rage and it's his just passion, like his saber. It's, it's all it's, it's unstable. It's unstable. His saber is a direct like. So if he loses his confidence, symbol of what he is. If he loses his confidence or his focus during battle, he will be bested every time over the Jedi way of being calm and collected and clear headed, like. Your passion will cloud your judgment. So this is what I think. I think he brings up a good point talking about Return of the Jedi. In Return of the Jedi, Luke deactivates his saber, throws it to the side, and says, "You know, I won't fight. I refuse. You know, I'm a I'm a Jedi. Like you failed your you failed your Highness. I'm a Jedi like my father before me." Uh, Walter's jumping up and rubbing on Will's face, giving him loves on the table. Just make sure he doesn't step on the mixing board. Oh, now he's going to Jesse. He's doing the rounds, Walter. Best cat in the world. Everybody just needs a little Walter love. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. If we, if I could send a little Walter love to every... Oh, now he's in my face. Send a little Walter love to every single listener of the podcast. Everybody would be a lot better off. Oh, come on, dude. You're going too far. But anyway, so Luke takes a saber... And he tosses it aside. Now, to me, that is sort of 
him symbolizing like look i'm a jedi but i'm i'm not gonna fight now had he never picked that saber back up if he didn't have that saber because at the end of return of the jedi that saber's back on his belt like he doesn't just leave it leave it behind he picks it back up but i could see that them sort of using that as symbolism of him taking a more pacifist approach. I get it. Like I said, I, I if that's how you want to go with it, I can. I see how you got there. I and f- from the limited amount of canon material in between Jedi and the Force Awakens, we have yet to hear of Luke or any of his apprentices or anything off whipping ass. I'll They're just, off searching. I'll just tell you this: <coughs> Obi Wan Kenobi kept his lightsaber until his dying day. Well, this is what I'm... I'm not saying that if that is what Luke did, it was the right choice. I'm saying... I'm starting to think about the other side of it, I guess. What you need to keep in mind is, as much as we love Luke Skywalker, Luke Skywalker has to have messed up at some point in between Jedi and The Force Awakens for us to have the story we have now. You know what I'm saying? Messed up how? Uh, I think maybe he took the wrong approach in training his new class of Jedi. Maybe he did train them to be pacifists, but they needed to be more warrior, like a mix between that sort of philosophy and a warrior philosophy. You know what I'm saying? Like, the prequel era Jedi went too far in one direction, where they basically became generals and armies and, and shit. I'm not saying that's what he should have done, but I don't think the full pacifist route is the right right way to go either. Because then you're not a knight. It's exactly. It's not a Jedi knight. <laughs> right. It's more like a Jedi philosopher. A Jedi priest. Or something. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not saying... The whole premise of Star Wars is the the current generation making up for the failures of the previous generation. Uh, especially in the original trilogy. And even a little bit in... The prequel trilogy. The previous generation let the Republic and the Jedi get to a point where they did not need to be. You know right. what I'm saying? Which causes the Empire Empire to rise and to throw over, you know, destroy the Jedi. And then they're fixing those mistakes in the pr- original trilogy. And I got to think that's the same thing that's going to be going on in the sequel trilogy. So Luke Skywalker, what I'm saying is Luke Skywalker can't be perfect. Or else that's not interesting. He has to have done something wrong to have played his his part, you know, in a, in the state of the for galaxy. For him to be in seclusion, uh, and I'm I'm not I'm saying Luke probably fully realizes he did something wrong too. Like that, I think that's a big part of why he left. He's trying to find some answer to how to fix what's going on. Um, maybe he screwed up just in the way I mean, he handled Kylo. As you long know? as as long as we're in this vein, why would your entire Jedi Academy class not be able to defend themselves against the Knights of Ren, one of only which wields a lightsaber? That's what I'm saying. That's a good that's what I was trying to get to. Like Kylo and a handful of Knights of Ren took out all of Luke's apprentices, um his monastery, whatever the fuck it was. Wiped them out. I mean, you got to think if those kids or those dudes had lightsabers, dudes and ladies, I'm saying dudes as a general term, um, had lightsabers, it would not have been so easy. You would think. I'm wondering if Luke doesn't teach them how to use a saber. What if Luke raises a bunch of, like, 
Jedi students. Like, and I, when I say student, I mean like, yeah, they're all studying old tomes and meditating, right. and, and like the way uh, Kylo freezes that bolt, that that laser bolt. What if that's something he learned from Luke? What if Luke is more is so focused on defense that he can't protect himself and he can't protect his students? You know what I'm saying? So maybe that's where Luke fucked up. This is all hypothetical. I'm not saying this is the way they're going. And from the rumors and stuff we've heard from episode eight, Luke doesn't stay in that mind frame forever. Yeah. You know, uh, it looks like we're probably going to be what I'm trying to say. And this is, you know, this is just the rumors out there that we're going to be seeing Luke swinging a lightsaber at some time in episode eight. I hope that doesn't twist anybody's nips and, and they're like, oh, fuck. Spoiler. You had to kind of see that coming, though. If Luke's going to be in Episode Eight, if Luke's going to be in Episode Eight and doesn't wield the lightsaber, I want my money back. Right? You know what I'm saying? Now, I'm not. I'm saying at the beginning of the movie, there also has to be some conflict in between Ray and Luke. You see what I'm saying? To make it interesting, what if it's what if some of this is Ray a trying to convince Luke to train her? Maybe he's hesitant to do that, or B, she's trying to be like, no, we need to fight. Jedi are supposed to be the the protectors of the galaxy. Fucking protect, protect something, bro. Whip out that lightsaber and do some shit. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, I'm not saying Luke can't still be a kick-ass character or a good guy. I'm just saying he can't have made every right decision in those 30 years. Right. He's had to have fucked up for there to be a, a 7, 8, and 9. Yeah. If Luke was the perfect Jedi master, then that shit would have gotten stamped out a long time ago and there yeah. wouldn't have been a seven eight and nine if you want a harry potter analogy <laughs> you need a defense against the dark arts class and you know you're vulnerable without it but yeah but you also need a what's the class where they teach you how to fucking fight with a wand okay never mind harry potter's a bad analogy no that's what they dueling yeah you still got to go wand duel or whatever I'm I'm pretty sure that all starts from it defense against the dark arts. Because it turned out to be bullshit, so they did their own defense against the dark arts. Right. Well, anyway, but I digress. But yeah, I <clears throat> I think you know, as kids, we imagined Luke's jedi order after jedi to be just a bunch of fucking badasses swinging lightsabers they would all be little luke's you know they would all be like or you know what we kind of thought of them like the prequel era jedi yeah like just armies of jedi with lightsabers yeah and maybe luke didn't go that way he meant more of a pacifist now and i'm not saying that the jedi need to get involved in galactic politics you know i think they should be separate from that because I think that's where they sort of went down the wrong path in the prequels. But that's not to say they shouldn't also be proactive in fighting the dark side. Because the dark side, Maz Kanata says it in The Force Awakens, it doesn't have to manifest itself as a dark Jedi or a Sith for it to be the kind of threat that should be addressed by uh, a new generation of Jedi. It could be the Empire. It could be the First Order. It could be... You know, any sort of evil can be dark side, you know? Right. So, we'll see. It's going to be interesting. 
I will be interested in, in several years' time when we have a better picture of what exactly Luke was up to and went down and shit in between uh, 6 and 7. Because there's a lot of speculation. At the there moment. is a lot of speculation. And look, like episode 8 could start up and we're sitting there in the theater and Luke is like, you know, I I lightsaber trained the shit out of those students. And they just weren't, they couldn't handle it. They couldn't, yeah. The, the Knights of Ren, like maybe there's more than just those seven dudes. Like right. Maybe, you know, maybe they just got rolled by this huge army of medieval looking dudes with crazy melee weapons and blasters in, and shit. In the middle of the night. And, you know, <clears throat> maybe that's what happened. But, I don't know, man. I don't get that feeling. But, and that could happen. You could be like, look, I And you I know, tried. a massacre happens when you're not expecting it. Like That is true. I also don't feel like I feel like Luke wasn't there when it happened. You figure he would have been able to stop that. Yeah. Yeah, or Regulate. something. Something tells me that they took advantage of maybe Luke being away on for some reason or something or distracted for some reason went in there cuz that makes it even more awful cuz that's like- I think that scene in the flashback or the force vision or whatever of him kneeling beside R2 putting his hand on him. I think Luke's burning those bodies, bro. I think that's a giant funeral pyre for all those dead Jedi. You know? It's really awful. So I think he came back and found it and was like, what the fuck? And it, the reason, part of the reason I don't think Kylo, I wonder if lightsaber training wasn't was just in general not part of their training is because, like Rich says, Kylo's saber's all fucked up. He obviously didn't build that saber under the tutelage of Luke. Because Luke would be like, nah, son, we're not using we don't use red sabers. That's a bad dude thing. Secondly, Luke would be like, This is subpar. What you have presented me is subpar. The containment on this is everywhere. It's just all it's over loose. the place. It's loosey goosey. You, you need to get back to and you would think that if Kylo was able under Luke's tutelage to build a real lightsaber then he would have been able to replicate that for his dark side lightsaber. You see what I'm saying? Right. And if Kylo is 23, 24 in Bloodline, he would have a saber by then if Luke is including that in the new Jedi ways. The package. You see what I'm saying? A little weirdness there. So I don't know. It would I make sense. Know. Well, I think that's going to about do it for this week, buddy. Thanks for coming and yeah. recording. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, it was a good one this week. Lots of Rogue One news, some good listener emails. I'm uh, I'm going to be hoarse tomorrow from reading so much. Oh, you're going to be hoarse tomorrow, but that's not why. Oh. Will's got to end the show. It's been a friendly Star Wars discussion. Will's got to end the show by threatening to face fuck me. That little red E is there for a reason. Oh. For explicit. <laughs> Sorry. Out of it. No, it's all good. Well, anyway, uh, I'd like to thank everybody that wrote in, Richard, Joe, and Michael. Thanks for writing in, guys. We appreciate it. Um, You can get Stone Cobra's new album, Armed and Hammered, on iTunes, Spotify, at stonedcobra.bandcamp.com. Check it out. It's only five bucks, and it's awesome. It's good. And uh, what else? You got anything else before we go? I don't. Hmm. All right. Well, we'll see you guys next week. For Blue Harvest, a Star Wars podcast, I'm your host, Halls Burkhart. And I'm Will Witten. May the Force be with you. May the Force be with all of you. May the Force be with us. (laughs) 